0: We are so glad to have you here at East Brainerd this morning. I want to welcome everybody. I want to echo what has already been said to all of our moms. We are a big family here, and so many of you have been mothers to many of the children who have grown up here through the years, and we are very thankful for that. For those of you kiddos that came in to be with mom today, thank you for doing that. I know that made mom feel very, very happy and special today. As a family, we have certain rock stars that are a part of our family. And uh, these rock stars, we just like to point out to you to let you know that you are in the presence of some very special people. One of those rock stars that we have with us is Miss Mildred Kelly. And Miss Mildred will be turning 89 years young tomorrow. There she is. Miss Mildred and I, we like to celebrate birthday months, not just birthday days. And so I know she has already been celebrating. And Miss Mildred, we celebrate with you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Miss Mildred. And if you also have a birthday today, Gilly Wiseman, I know you have one as well, when you turn 89, we'll sing to you, all right? That's how we, uh, that's how we roll. That's how we roll around here. Uh, you know, there is a club that you can only get into by, by being a mom, and then once you're in it, you just do some really weird things. And there are things that you do that you never thought that you would do. In fact, you probably swore, I will never, and there were many things that you said I'm sure that you would never do, and then you became a mom, and all of a sudden, you started doing just weird things, like smelling backsides. (laughs) And some of you became so good at this that right in the middle of a conversation, you could just pick up a child, sniff, hand it along to somebody else, and just keep on going. I mean, you were so good at that. And thought nothing of it. And other people are just watching you going, did, did she just sniff that child's bottom? <laughs> yes, she did. Because she is a mom and that's her superpower. And you also have this power to be able to, to lick your thumb and to clean off any kind of jam or rust on a bicycle chain. It's like a, there's a special concoction that goes from the tongue to the thumb of a mom. And it's amazing what then moms are able to do. And you thought, you know what, I will never lick my thumb and rub my saliva on my child. You said that because as a kid you hated that, right? I mean, how many of you, your mom did that to you? Go ahead and raise your hand. Oh, look at that. Look at all those people that, yeah, mom used to lick her finger and just say, here, let me just get that off for you, right? Man. And then, you always said you would never have a mom bag, right? You would never have the mom bag that was filled with all the crackers and the fruit juice and the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and erasers and things that you can't identify anymore, right? You said you would not have it, but, but yet you walk around. And in fact, many of you moms walked in today leaning to your right. You, know, you don't know why you do it anymore. Your children are grown, but it's because of your mom bag and how heavy it was. And now you can no longer stand up straight. So moms, we salute you. And there are mothers here who said, you know what? I swear that when it comes to my children, I'm going to be the cool mom, and, and I'm going to play cool music. That's what I'm going to do. And and then all of a sudden, you look around, and the wheels on the bus is your jam. I mean, that's just what you do. And you can break into it at any moment, at any time, and you found out that it cures the savage beast. but. No, you weren't going to be that mom. You were going to play Zeppelin. You were going to play Pearl Jam. You were going to be the one that was cool. Wheels on the bus go round and round. And how about this? How many of you still have wipes with you on your pew to this day, right? Any of you? Uh, What—you said, you know what, that whole idea of a wet one. Right? Wet wipes. It just doesn't sound good. Right? And yet, you you can pull those things out as if magic. And then you begin to, to wipe down furniture, and you wipe hands, and you put that anywhere and everywhere. And you're never without the wipes. Never leave home without them. And then, I don't know when it happens, but there's a point where you begin talking to yourself and the children aren't even around. And you find you're at the grocery store and you're saying, well, let's pay. And the person behind you goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so then you come home and you just go and hide. Yeah, you you just hide in the pantry, right? Or you hide in the bathroom. Maybe you just pull into the garage and you just sit in the car. You turn the engine off eventually. (laughs) But you just sit there. And you talk to yourself. Or how about this one? Crazy things that mom do. You can just bust out animal noises on a regular basis. You know? I mean, old McDonald had a farm. You can do all the sounds. You've got them from the pig to the chicken to the cow. Others are amazed at your animal vernacular. Some people call you the crazy cat lady because of this, but you don't care. Because it's all for your kids. And I suppose the biggest thing that happens during motherhood, the thing that just amazes everyone and the thing that you said that you would never do, bodily fluids no longer faze you. You know? You just put on the gloves. You just put on the mask. You just dive right in. Now there was a time where you thought everything had to be wiped down and all the comforters had to be put into the washing machine, but not anymore. You just pull out the wet wipes, you just lick your thumb and off you go. You know, crazy things mom do for their kids. They sniff and they wipe and they sing and they clean and they cry. For all the laughter and for all the joy that children bring to our lives, there are also tears that come with that. There's tears of joy and there's tears of sadness. There's tears of laughter and tears of regret and missed opportunities. And there's tears of grace. I know that you guys are busy this morning. There's all kinds of celebratory Mother's Day plans. I hope you are able to get your picture made as you came in. If, if you missed out on that, our photographers are going to be out on the steps um, after our time here. Please go out, and moms and kiddos and dads, and get your picture made out there. But just for a few minutes, I want you to join me in the gallery of grace. And we're going to stop and pause and look at the portrait found in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. One day Jesus left the borders of Galilee and he traveled about 50 miles. He traveled about 50 miles into an area of Gentile towns. Specifically, he went to an area where there were the towns of Tyre and Sidon. And these were commercially magnificent cities that had been heavily influenced by Greek culture. You could hear it in their language. You could see it in their architecture, in their coinage. And each town was a proud and historic center of Canaanite paganism. They had tombs of ancient kings. They had temples to Heracles and all kinds of other various deities. And this was not an area that any self-respecting Jewish rabbi would just travel to without having to. And yet Jesus intentionally leaves Galilee and he goes to these areas because he had just been involved in a confrontation with some Jewish leaders over what made a person spiritually unclean. And he needed a place that he could go to get away, to relax, but he also I believe needed a place where he could go and and make a point. And so he leaves a region that is heavily influenced by Jewish orthodoxy, a region that all the Jewish leaders would say, this is a clean place. This is a good place. This is where you want to raise your kids. This is the atmosphere you want them in. And he travels to modern-day Lebanon, a place that even his closest of disciples would describe as spiritually unclean. And there a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She said, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus' acclaim had reached such a fever pitch that even those outside of Galilee were familiar with him. And word began to spread that the Jewish holy man and his disciples had come into the vicinity. And this mom decided, you know what? I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to do something crazy. And I want you to just pay attention, especially to the language that she uses. I want you to listen to the words of a crazy mom seeking crumbs of grace for her children. She says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. It's covenant language. This woman is asking for a blessing, and she does so by invoking the covenant language of God's covenant people. But she's not part of the covenant. She's not a Jew. She's a Canaanite. And in her religious economy, Jehovah God was just one of of many deities. But if there was a chance, if there was any chance that that this deity could heal her little girl, then why not? Why not cross over religious barriers? Why not cross ethnic boundaries? Why Why not violate gender barriers? Anything for her daughter. And let's just be honest. Moms, you will often do what others see as foolish in order to care for your children, won't you? Work two jobs? Check. Drive behind the school bus all the way? Check. Go on late night road trips to pick up the child that just can't stay any longer at the sleepover? Check. Get up early? Stay up late, don't go to sleep at all, check, check, check. And others might look and say, why? Why do you do that? Why why do you go that extra mile? Why, Why do you sacrifice so much? Because you're mom, and love is not foolish. But you will do things that others see as foolish in order to care for your children. And I just wonder if we as children ever truly appreciate the link that mom goes in the name of love. What was Jesus' response to this risk-taking mother? It might surprise you if you've never read this story before that his response was to be silent. He didn't say anything. In fact, the text says that He didn't give a reply, he didn't say a word. And and let me just ask you guys, moms and dads alike, have you ever struggled with the silence of God? Have you ever struggled with the silence of God? Where you've offered up your plea, perhaps for your child, and then you wait. And it feels as if all heaven goes silent. As if nobody is listening and and nobody cares. And you keep going back, baby, day in, day out, with the same plea, the same prayer. And you're hoping for anything, any sign, any word, anything that might come on the radio, anything that might come into the mail, something that lets you know that God is seen and God is heard and God is answered. And I know. That there are moms and dads who are here this morning, who are living right now in the silence that this woman had to face. Where you've gone and said, Lord, have mercy on me. Silence. The disciples urged Jesus to send her away. That's what you want from your religious leaders, right? Why don't you send her away, Jesus, because she's bothering us with all of her begging. Have you ever been disappointed by the response of spiritual leaders to your situation? The people that maybe you thought would empathize. Have only pushed you aside? And maybe that's been one of your problems in the past with just church community. Maybe there was an expectation that you had on on how you would be received and and how others would consider your plight. And those that you looked at as being mentors, those who were the leaders of your small group, those who were the Bible class teachers, those perhaps who were the spiritual leaders of the congregation, for whatever reason, your perception is that they just didn't care that much. The text uses a word called krazo, and it means to cry out with deep emotion. It means to wail. I want you to picture in your mind now this woman, this gentile woman, going up to a Jewish teacher. And begin crying out, wailing, please have mercy on me. Please hear my cry. Say something. And the word that she gets from the spiritual leaders of Jerusalem, are you bothering us? But then Jesus said something, and again, you might be surprised. She says, I was sent to help the lost sheep of God, the people of Israel. He looks at her and he says, you know who I am. I'm a Jewish rabbi. My God helps Jews. And I'm sure the disciples were there nodding in agreement. And maybe it would have been at this time that you and I would have just said, you know what, forget it. If that's what your church is like, if that's what religion's all about, if that's what you people that say you worship God, if that's how you act, then forget it. Because I came to you and I was hurting. I came to you in my pain. I acknowledged your God. I tried to use your words. You've been silent. And now finally, when you do speak to me, you say, leave and you let me know that your God is not mine. That's what we do. But this woman is foolish. And so she goes and she kneels before Jesus. And the text there uses a word that oftentimes in your New Testament is translated not kneel but worship. It's a word that is generally used in your testament for worship. And maybe that's what you have in your particular translation. It says that the woman came and worshipped before him. The word literally means to kiss the ground that someone walks on. She falls down in his presence. Head to the ground. Crying, weeping, sobbing. And she says, Lord, help me. Help me right now. Help me immediately feel the pain that I have. And you moms, you understand because when your child is hurting, you want to relieve that pain right now. And you will look as foolish as you have to in order to be heard, won't you? You will do whatever it takes to get someone to listen. And so, Jesus responds. Now I want you to understand as you're reading through this story and you think, man, this sounds like a weird back and forth. I want you to remember that Jesus, Jesus is trying to teach a bigger principle here. And so, I picture this right here as he's standing there and the woman is at his feet and he kind of has his back turned to her perhaps. And he's kind of looking off in the distance with a wry smile on his face. And he says, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to their dogs. You see, for sure this sentiment was held by the good Jewish leaders who had earlier challenged Jesus over what was clean and unclean. They had become upset with Jesus earlier because the disciples were not washing their hands. A good, a good mom lesson, right? They weren't washing their hands, but, but the Jewish leaders were not thinking about germs. They were thinking about Gentiles. And I appreciate Mark. He gives us a little bit of understanding in his gospel to help us be able to bridge the historical gap and see why this was such a big issue. In his gospel in Mark chapter 7, he writes about the, Jew, the Jews. He says, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and kettles. He says that the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands this ceremonial washing. He said, that's what they do. But it's not kids to make sure their hands are clean, all the dirt's from out of their fingernails. It's this idea that they have been in the marketplace and they've been around people who were not Jews, who were not like them, who were Gentiles, who were unclean. And so they wash. You see, in the earlier discussion, Jesus pointed out to those Jewish leaders that it was not the external that made a person unclean, but he's going to tell them that it was the internal cleanness or uncleanness was a heart issue not a hand issue and the jews avoided gentiles because they believed them to just be unclean and unholy and uncouth and they were unworthy of god's grace and thus the disciples telling jesus i want you to send this woman away because she's bothering us why would they say that because she was a canaanite she was a gentile she didn't worship their god she didn't follow their traditions She wasn't like them. And in their religious economy, she was one to be overlooked. But Jesus is using all of these events to show his followers that you can be unclean and never go to the dirty areas of town. Do you understand that? You can be in church and your heart can still be far from God. And you can be a member of a pagan society and still demonstrate great faith. See, Jesus had an argument with people about who's clean, who's unclean, what makes you right with God, what makes you be on God's bad side. And so he leaves the place that everyone would have thought, this is the good guys, this is where they live. And he goes to the area where, well, that's the evil people. They're the ones that don't recognize God. And he uses this opportunity in this dialogue with this woman to show his disciples, look, I want you to see this woman, and I want you to hear the things we normally say, and the way that we normally think about these people, the way you've been raised to think about this individual. I want you to listen. It was common practice for Jews to refer to Gentiles as dogs. And they felt justified in that. just as it has been common practice within our society to refer to others who bear the image of God with terrible racial names. And for some reason, the people of God thought that was fine. Jesus is using these events... To show us that you can have your Bible all marked up, and you can check all the religious boxes, and yet your heart can still be far from God. And he's trying to remind us that there are those who do not look like us, and who do not act like us, and who do not believe like us, that often have more faith than us. And so, the mother says to Jesus, you're right, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She's saying, I know I'm not one of your God's followers, but I am willing to take what your God's followers discard. You see, God's grace is not limited by nationalities, by traditions, by languages, or religions. The only thing that limits God's grace is our refusal to receive it. That's what limits the grace of God. And our refusal stems from either our unwillingness to see our need, thinking that we have it all together and that we have all the answers and we're not in need of the mercy of God, or our inability to believe our worthiness. That for some reason we think that the grace of God is for other parents, The grace of God is for other kids. The grace of God is for other marriages. The grace of God is for other people. But it's not for me. The only thing that limits God's grace is whether or not you're willing to receive it. And so Jesus looks to this woman and says, man, you have great faith. You have great faith. You know, there's only a couple of times in Scripture where Jesus will commend someone like this. And the amazing thing is that whenever he uses this phrase, this idea that you have great faith, he says it to someone who is a Gentile. He says it to someone who his people would think were unclean. And yet their heart was close to God. You see, this woman was demonstrating a biblical principle that you and I have heard before. It's from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 where it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must, now get this, must believe that God exists and that He rewards those that earnestly seek Him. Here's the deal, the expectation is that you will believe in Him. And that you will respect or expect a response. That you're going to believe that God is who he says he is. That God is God. And that he can do whatever he wishes. And the expectation is that when we come to him in faith, that there will be a response. And so for those of you moms and dads who are here this morning and you're living in that time of silence, please understand That God is not inactive, even though it seems as if you do not hear the answer right now that you want. Do not give up on your prayer, do not give up on your pleading, do not stand up and walk away and say, forget it, because the silence of God does not mean the inactivity of God. And for those of you, maybe moms and dads, you're here this morning, and it's been difficult for you to find a church family. Because you've been hurt. You've been hurt by the response of different spiritual leaders. There are mentors that left you down and you said, you know what? If this is truly what church is about, then I don't know if I want to be in it. I don't don't know if I want my kids to be a part of this. Can I remind you of something that we see here in this text? That we're all in need of God's grace even those who are leaders among God's people. You're right, we don't always say the right things. We don't always see the way that we should see. We don't always have the empathy that we should have. We're not as quick sometimes to give love. We're not as patient as we should be. But don't use my sinfulness. Don't use the sinfulness perhaps of those around you to allow Satan to gain a foothold in your life. Instead, you be the one of faith. You be the one to give grace. Believe in God and expect a response. For God has promised to be near to those who are broken hearted, And here's one more takeaway that I want to give you this morning. A parent's faith can greatly impact the life of a child. Jesus said, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And the text tells us that her daughter was healed at that moment. Moms and dads, never discount the impact of your prayers. Never take for granted the times that you have spent in worship and those eyes have been on you. Never think that the time that you have spent in Scripture highlighting and marking hasn't been noticed by those that you care about. The faith that you have is a faith that can impact and change the life of your child and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. A legacy of faith. How many of you here this morning because of the faith of your mom? Right? How many of you are here this morning because of the faith of your dad? How many of you are here this morning because of the faith of your grandparents? Never discount the impact that your life of faith can have. And so you continue to go to God and cry out for crumbs of grace. You continue to go and take your request about your children, about your grandchildren to Him. You continue to pray for those future spouses. You continue to pray for the college experience, their married life, the things that are going to happen in the future. You continue to cry out for the difficulty that the child is in right here and right now. It's for every family but yours. What if this woman had decided, you know what? grace is just, grace is just for those people in Galilee. What if you decided, you know what? I know that there are some people that God listens to, but I just don't think he listens to me. I know that there are some people that God rewards. I know there are some people he responds to, but I just don't think that because of my My past, because of my present, because of my thoughts, because of my background and my raising. All these different excuses. Never think that it's everybody else's family that can have grace but not yours. Because the grace of God is available to all. And so here's what I want us to do as we close out this time. I want to give moms and dads a moment to cry out to Jesus for crumbs of grace. And I want us to have a special time of prayer for our families. And I've asked one of our elders, Johnny Robertson, to lead this prayer. And so I want to ask that if you're a mom or dad, grandparent, and if you would like for our spiritual leaders here at East Brainerd to hear your need and offer a prayer for your family, then I want to invite you just to come to the front of our room here. And just gather all around the front here of the stage and and just in the aisles, it's all right. You can walk down here, you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can come individually, you can come as a couple. You don't have to come and and share anything specific. Just just come and join other families. Just come down here and let's just fill the aisles up and let's just join other families. Because I know there are some of you that need to cry out to Jesus for your children. So, let us hold your hands up. Let us stand beside you as you stand beside me as I cry out to Jesus for my children. Come and join me as we stand and give praise to God.